0: Dear friends in Jesus Christ, Advent is a time to remember our sins and to be thankful for our Savior. So let's keep that theme in mind as we go through these weeks prior to Christmas. In this sermon today, we will learn a sad reality about mankind's fall into sin. We will better understand the Lord's promises to Abraham. And then also, too, today, we will identify a characteristic of those who know Jesus. Well, this is part two today of a nine-part series that is based on this booklet. So this is only part two, so thanks for going on the journey with me. And just before we get into the sermon itself, I want to encourage you that what I'm trying to do here during this Advent season is I'm trying to help you develop a habit. I want you to have a habit of reading the Word of God every day and not just reading it, but so critical to think about what we are reading and then as you're reading, now in the booklet, I'm giving you different questions to try to spark you to think further about, about the reading however though even on your own reading you can develop questions and say well oh the Bible says this so what does that mean sometimes in my own daily devotion when I'm reading the Bible I have questions myself so then I'm praying a prayer and I'm praying dear Lord I don't quite understand this here make it known to me what the meaning is so I'm formulating my own questions and I can't call my pastor so I'm crying out to God saying God show me these answers So I invite you to do the same thing by uh, having questions and praying, and also then praying to make application. Okay, we are looking at the booklet now. We're back on day four. Day four is last week on Wednesday. First of all, we're in the section here on read and think. So let me put the Bible before us. We go to Genesis chapter five, verse three. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. And then Psalm 51.5, David said, In sin my mother conceived me. And then jumping ahead to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Well, in the answer and pray section, I made some comments there. I wanted to reinforce the fact that God created the first people in his own image and in his own likeness. However, after the people fell into sin, they could only have children in their own image and in their own likeness. What does that mean? Well, there was a very big difference between before the fall and after the fall. What could we say before the fall Well, we talked about this last week on Wednesday, about the likeness and image part, but let me give you a little bit of a review right here. So before the fall, Adam and Eve, they had dominion over all the living creatures that God had made. Adam and Eve were holy, no sin, they had sound reasoning, and they exercised their free will unto God's glory. Everything was fantastic. What about the fall well the fall was a horrible thing so regarding their dominion their holiness their reasoning and their use of free will all of it was very seriously corrupted so everything was perfect and now it's all corrupted and what is the situation now that corruption Gets passed on generation after generation after generation why do we believe people inherited sin now I'm asking that question because some people don't believe that some people would say children are innocent children are without sin so are they without sin or not and if they do have sin how did they get it I'm here to say they inherited it. Why would I say that? Well, from the passages I've already read, to summarize them, Adam's fallen likeness and image passed unto his children. That's so clear there in Genesis chapter five. And then with David, David had sin from the very moment he was conceived. How is that? Well, he would have had to inherit it, right? When we think about different things we inherit, like our eye color or our hair color, or maybe the stature of our bodies, these are things that we inherit. And when do we get them? We get them as soon as we are conceived. And then the Bible tells us that this sin that was inherited from Adam, that brought death to all people. Do you know anyone that's been living for thousands of years? Sometimes I'll see a picture on the computer, and it's showing a tree that they estimate to be about 3,000 years old. And it's like, oh, that's so amazing that that tree has been living all that time. That tree started to grow way before the time of Jesus. That tree started to grow around the time of King David, and it's still growing. But people aren't like that. Trees don't inherit sin, people inherit sin, and therefore the sin brings death. So I talked about the earlier passages, and then how else do we know that people have inherited sin? I'm saying we know from children dying. If children had no sin, they would not die. Think about Adam and Eve. God intended them to live forever But God said, when you eat from that tree, then you will die. If children had no sin, they would not die. But think about David. Think about the first child between him and Bathsheba. That child, the Bible tells us so clearly, when the child was seven days old, the child died. Why is that? The child inherited sin from Adam and Eve, and then, according to the will of God, he caused that child to die. And then one more here in this section. We know people have inherited sin from children having sin before they know right from wrong. Think about this. The Bible says if a person knows what is right, but does not do it, he is sinning. When is it that a child knows right from wrong? A child doesn't know that until kind of around two years old, maybe maybe a little bit younger, maybe between one and two, children begin to get a sense of what is right and wrong at that age. However, though, children die before that age. So even before children know Right from wrong even before they can commit their own sins what I'm saying is if a child doesn't know right from wrong like if a child is six months old can he commit his own sin he can't he doesn't even know right from wrong but by the time the child is two years old now the child does know right from wrong now the child can fall into sin however though even before they know right from wrong they can die Why is that? They have inherited sin. What are the results of sin? Well, first of all, physical death. The Lord said to Adam, to dust you shall return. So talking about the death of the body. And then sin also results in eternal punishment. We think about the passage that we're very familiar with here in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. And sometimes people look at that and they say, oh, I have sinned, I have sinned, I inherited it, I have my own, I'm going to physically die. But there, see, there's more to it than that, though. It's not simply talking about physical death there, it's talking about what we might call eternal death or eternal punishment. How do we know that? Think about what the rest of the verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life. See, so you, you have death on one hand and eternal life on the other hand. Now, when it says death, it's not saying eternal death or eternal punishment, but that's the implication, though. That's what's being implied. The word death is offset by eternal life. If you're facing eternal death or eternal punishment, what do you need? You need eternal life that's the way to understand that passage and then I asked the question in the booklet how does the content in this section apply to you well this is how I thought about it my answer because of the fall I have sin. I have inherited that from my grandparents parents to myself and then way back all the way to Adam so because I have sin who do I need I so much need Jesus, the Savior from sin. I hope you came to the same conclusion. Looking in the booklet now, now we're making a shift here. So with the first four days of the booklet, those were basically foundational type things. Now we're going to move into Old Testament passages that are pointing ahead to the coming of the Messiah. A great thing to do this time of the year during Advent. So we come now to day number five and we're going to look at what the Lord said to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Here are the words. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall Be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed we're so familiar with that and yet what does it really mean it's not so easy to figure out but let me try to break it down a little bit let's understand that the words we have there are really loaded with meaning First of all, talking about the land, it is talking about the temporary land of Canaan, so that's where the physical descendants of Abraham would eventually live, but it's also pointing to the eternal land of heaven. Why do I say that? If we take a look in Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith, it says, "'By faith Abraham, lived as an alien in the land of promise looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. So he wasn't looking for the earthly Jerusalem, he was looking for the heavenly Jerusalem. So let's understand when it talks about the land, we're talking temporal and we're talking eternal. And then what about with the descendants let's keep in mind we're talking about three different things here on the topic of descendants first of all we're talking about the blood relatives of abraham that's obvious we're also talking about the messiah himself who is the ultimate seed or the ultimate descendant of abraham we pick that up from galatians chapter 3 especially So keep in mind, we have the blood relatives and then we have Jesus himself, who is the ultimate descendant. But then there's a third group of descendants here. The Bible tells us that Abraham has not only physical descendants, but he has spiritual descendants. What does that mean? To be a spiritual descendant of Abraham, that means to have the faith of Abraham. What can we say about Abraham? He believed God's promise. He was looking for the coming Messiah, so he was saved by his faith. I think that's true for you and me. What does that mean? That means that we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Now, that's not just for Gentiles. For all Jews and for all Gentiles, Who have the faith of Abraham we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham that's packed into that reading then I have one more thing I want to say here on the topic of blessings this is complicated and I think it's kind of mixed up in today's world but I want to give you a little bit of information on it so much more could be said but what I did here is I went to the Old Testament commentary series by Kyle and Dalich and they're identifying here four different blessings that God was speaking about when he spoke to Abram. Here they are, number one, Abram would increase into a numerous people. Certainly he did, he went from one person uh, to millions of people. Number two, Abram would be given material and spiritual prosperity. So. Abram, he had many, many possessions, so God blessed him in that way. Number three, the name of Abram would be elevated to a place of honor and glory. Even today, people around the entire world probably have heard the name of Abraham. So God made his name famous throughout the world, even today. And then number four here, Abram would become the possessor and dispenser of the blessing. What does that mean, the possessor and the dispenser of the blessing? Well, think about it like this. The Messiah's flesh would be the flesh of Abram. Now, we're talking, of course, many generations in between, but we could say, though, that what was within Abram Abram, when God spoke to him, eventually that would pass on generation after generation after generation until finally the flesh that the Son of God would put on would come from the body of Abram. So that's part of it. And then talking about about being the dispenser of of a blessing now we're talking about the messiah himself so he came for all people and through him for all who receive him those people are all blessed forever and ever i hope that makes a little bit of sense with those blessings and then coming to the section here on Uh, answering and praying I made the comment that when Abram was 75 years old that is when the Lord called him think about how I wrote it here so he really called him to leave his land his relatives and his blessings in order to receive the Lord's land the Lord's relatives and the Lord's blessings now if you think about what Abram had versus what the Lord could give him, do you think the Lord would be able to give him a greater land and greater descendants and greater blessings than what he had? Certainly. We should know that too. So I'm asking a question here. The Lord presented to Abram, here's what I want you to do. And amazingly, Abram did it right away even though he was 75 years old. What about for you and me, if the Lord came to us and made it so clear that it was the Lord, and he said, tomorrow, I want you to do this radical thing in your life. Would you do it? Would you do it? I think sometimes the hard part in life is, oh, I'm not sure if that's the Lord wanting me to do that or just some crazy thought I have. But like if you knew this is the Lord and he's saying, I want you to do this particular thing. I hope we can ponder that some and I hope we can say, yes, if I really knew it was the Lord, I would do it. When I thought about packing up and moving to another state and going to seminary years ago, so many times I thought, Dear Jesus, if you would just like appear and like sit at the edge of my bed here and just tell me like face to face, then I would know for sure. Well, he didn't do that. However, though, like in all these little tiny ways, he's just like showing me over and over again, that's what he wanted me to do. Well, and then going a little bit further here, in Genesis chapter 12, I want you to, I want you to know that we're at an important place in the Bible, first of all, When we think about from creation up to the time of Abraham, that's a period of about 2,000 years. So that's the halfway point between uh, creation and the time of Jesus. The unusual thing, when you look into the Bible, though, we only have 11 chapters of the Bible that are covering that entire period of time. But during that period of time though, think about it like this, we had a perfect world and then we have the fall into sin and then we have the promise of the Savior and then about 2,000 years pass by and we really don't know much more about the Savior at that point until the Lord comes and speaks to Abram and now the whole thing is narrowing down. Before, it was wide open as to where the Savior could come from, but now it completely narrows down to Abram and to the descendants that would come from him. So how is the Bible set up? Well, the Bible is laying the foundation there in chapters 1 through 11, but when we get to Genesis chapter 12, all the way through Acts chapter 9, that whole part of the Bible, that's the majority of the Bible, that whole part is focused on Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. Why is that? Because of the promise that God made to Abram that through you, through your family i am going to bring my son into the world so that's why the bible is all focused in that direction because of the promise that god made and then i think you know already but how are all the families of the world blessed through abram well that's because when the son of god came of course he puts on the flesh of abram and then he lives and dies to take away the sin of the entire world so through abram came a blessing to all people of all time let me go on to the final day here for today day number six so i wanted to share a passage with you from deuteronomy chapter 18 these are some of the final words that moses spoke prior to him dying and them entering into the promised land he said to the people the lord god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your countrymen you shall listen to him you shall listen to him and then jumping ahead to the new testament here for a moment now we're in matthew chapter 17 now we're up on the mountain where jesus was transfigured and the bible says while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed Peter, James, and John, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So, about 1400 years before the time of Jesus, Moses told the Israelites, that this great prophet would come and it would be vital to listen to him. Who is that great prophet? That great prophet is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And then when we think about both Moses and God the Father saying, listen to him. This is the part I was referring to earlier. Are we the kind of people who listen to him? That is the mark of someone who has that God-given gift of faith by which they are trusting in Jesus. What does it mean to listen to him? Well, basically it means to obey him. But we have to be careful with that. It's not just like, oh, he said it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to try to like earn my way to heaven or something. It's not like that. But it's this desire that that we want to know, we want to obey we could think about it like this if we took listen to him and broke it down in more detail what does it mean well it means to be open to Jesus we understand he's the one who made our physical bodies he's the one through whom God the Father worked to create all things and all people when we think about Jesus he is the source of our physical lives and he is the source of our spiritual lives so it's only right and natural that we would listen to him so we are open to him we are hearing what he is saying we believe it right away we don't have to say well i don't know about that jesus you have to prove it no when we hear it we believe it even if we don't understand it, we believe it and then we have a desire though to understand it we are saying dear father in heaven dear lord jesus dear holy spirit make this understandable to me help me to get it so that I can do it is that your attitude is that how you're looking at things I so much hope that you are and then finally how does this day six content apply to you I thought about this verse as I was writing the sermon so here in James chapter 1 he wrote but prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. I think it can be a very common thing within Christian churches today that for those people who actually come, it's a great thing to come because you have the opportunity to hear the word of God. But I think sometimes, though, people are saying, "I, I went, I heard it, And i'm good is that true though god wants us to know that's not how it works so we want to come we want to hear we want to understand and we want to make application in our lives if anyone is simply hearing but not doing that means they have a heart problem because when our heart is right then we're going to have this desire to listen, and part of listening includes applying the Word of God to our lives. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Father in heaven, knowing that sin and death have passed to us and to all, we thank you so very much for Jesus. We understand now that he is the ultimate seed of Abraham and that he came into the world to take away the sin of the world, including ours, and again, we are so thankful. Help us always to fully trust in Jesus for eternal life. Help us to gladly hear what he has to say Grant us understanding and help us to gladly live for him. Help us to gladly put your word into practice every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.